the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Tuesday, April the 27th, 2021, in the year of our Lord. Today on April 27, 1978, 51 construction workers plunged to their death. A scaffold inside a cooling tower at the Pleasance Power Station site in West Virginia fell to the ground 168 feet. Today in 1521, Portuguese explorer Ferdinand Magellan, he was killed by natives in the Philippines. His crew went on to circumnavigate the globe. Old Freddy didn't make it. Today in 1791, the inventor of the telegraph, Samuel Morris, he was born in Charlestown, Massachusetts. Today in 1865, the steamer Sultana was carrying freed Union prisoners of war. It exploded on the Mississippi River near Memphis. Death toll estimates varied between 1,500 and 2,000. They didn't really know how many people were on that boat. Today, in 1941, German forces occupied Athens during World War II. And today, in 1982, the trial of John W. Hinckley, Jr., he shot four people, including President Ronald Reagan, began in Washington. The trial ended with Hinckley's acquittal by reason of insanity. And today, in 1994, former President Richard M. Nixon was remembered at an outdoor funeral service attended by all five of his successors at the Nixon Presidential Library in Yorba Linda, California. That's a few things that happened today in history. We always mention several things that happened today in history because history gives us a perspective on what's happening today. And perhaps a view, just a glimpse, of what could happen tomorrow. The Bible is more clear on tomorrow because the Word of God is true. It is faithful. And the Word of God will never pass away. We're going through some very difficult times in our country and in the world today. Paul also went through some of those same kinds of times. That's why he wrote to the Corinthians. He said, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. In Hebrews, we read, Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Even the psalmist went through some very difficult times in his life, in his culture. He wrote in Psalm 31, verse 24, Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart, all ye that hope in the Lord. 
My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not place my hope on anything else in this world because all is transitory. All will eventually pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away. God's word will never pass away. So our hope is built on, of course, Jesus Christ, the word who became flesh, on his blood, his righteousness, his resurrection. But we live in a screwed up world. There's no question about that. It's an interesting uh, story that's out today. And the reason it's out is because this guy has a book coming out today. It'll be in stores near you. Let me tell you a little bit about it. His name is Ben Kirby. He started an Instagram account. The Instagram account is called, he still has it. It's called at preachers in the letter N sneakers. It's like he he's saying it's about preachers who wear sneakers, tennis shoes, you know, Nikes or whatever. Preachers in sneakers. He started it as a joke back in 2019. Kirby was then 29. He's an MBA student. He's a former Marine. He had no idea that it would take off as it did, but back in 2019, he thought it was funny. He'd been watching preachers on television. He saw the images of these megachurch pastors running around in designer gear, and they do. $200 tennis shoes, tight jeans, skimpy little shirts you can't hardly button up. I'm not being critical. I'm a kind of a suit and tie guy, still, honest. But many of my contemporaries who are a couple of years younger than me are not. And if you look at the mega churches, most of them are wearing jeans and tennis shoes, and some of them are ripped in front. And it's an attempt to try to identify, according to them, with the world so that they can win the world to Jesus. But anyway, this guy, Ben Kirby, he thought it was funny. In fact, he thought it was so funny he would start kind of mocking it on this Instagram account. Well, he started. What he did was he would take video clips of preachers, pastors, preaching in their churches, for the most part, large churches across the country. He didn't care if they were preaching the gospel or some other, you know, hybrid message. That wasn't his point. His point was how they were dressed and how they would do a what he saw as a production that we call worship like a concert. And so he would take price tags and he would attach them, kind of juxtapose them onto these videos. In other words, and he would actually look into it, I guess. And he was pretty accurate, apparently. Anyway, his thing is still going strong. Uh, millions of people have gone on his, his Instagram account. So what he would do, he would take these price tags and he would attach them uh, on the video to the clothes that these pastors were wearing. And like it would be Nike tennis shoes, 200 bucks or whatever. And it would be uh, a certain kind of jean. You know, I buy mine at Costco. I don't know. But anyway, a certain kind of jeans. It would be $275 or whatever. And he would put these price tags on there, and people, I mean, they 
millions, as I said, have been on his Instagram, and they, they, they watch this. And what he did was the underlying effect of what he was doing, and he's still doing it, it is he started a conversation, as they say, about materialism and the church, the Christian church. Now, if he had tried to do that with a Muslim mosque somewhere, he would be headless by today, I'm sure. But Christianity, it's okay. You can do that in America. Anyway, I digress. Anyway, out of that evolved this business that Mr. Kirby started, as Ben Kirby. He now sells hoodies, hats, T-shirts. They're all branded with this logo, Preachers in Sneakers. He currently hosts a podcast. And he's written a book. And yeah, you can guess the title. The title is Preachers in Sneakers. Authenticity in an Age of For-Profit Faith and Wannabe Celebrities. The book is being released today, nationwide. It'll be in a store near you today. And you can read all about the preachers. Questioning their authenticity, calling it an age of for-profit faith and wannabe celebrities. Now, there have always been criticisms of preachers, whether it was Peter on the day of Pentecost, Paul, whatever. I've certainly had my criticisms over the years, and I don't know of a preacher or pastor or evangelist that has not. But I think there is something in this that needs we need to at least be aware of that's happening in our culture. The price tags make it tangible. And the timing coincides with the rise of celebrity pastors and Christian celebrities. They're coming to the forefront of the news cycle. It quickly became, and this guy just happened to catch the wave, as they say, but it quickly became more about the sneakers because the conversation concerns all types of people, atheists, agnostics, all of these people are on this guy's Instagram site now. The focus, the focus is on the production value, not the worship in the church. I'm talking not the Christians, I'm talking about this guy and all the other people, millions of people that are following him now. The lights, the celebrities, Please stay with me. I'm 100% for the Church of Jesus Christ. But that conversation is happening out there in our world today. The brands, instead of wearing a $2,000 suit, as some do, we're wearing $2,000 worth of tennis shoes and ripped jeans and $200 t-shirts and so on. Because we have come to a point in the Christian church, some have come to a point in the Christian church where we feel that if we can get so close to the world that we look like the world, that we can't be identified as anything other than the world, we can win the world to Jesus Christ. That's what this is really all about. That book, I can promise you, that's being put on Amazon shelves right now as we speak, today, right now, I promise you that'll be a bestseller. You know why? Because of, number one, animosity toward the church. It'll say, see, we told you. Those people are hypocrites. There's no difference. 
And honestly, before God, it doesn't matter what we wear. God doesn't look on the outward appearance. God looks on the heart. But we live in the real world where man looks on the outward appearance. And that's what's going on. Atheists, agnostics, they're just crazy about these pastors. They're grifters, they say. Some churchgoers see it as a delusion of the gospel. By putting the focus on the production value, the brands, and the good looks, and the fans of these preachers, as the world says, feel strongly that they've changed lives. They don't want to see anybody criticizing them. Stop it. Leave my pastor alone. He's reaching people. And that's a conflict within the church today. The pastors, they say, are trying to create an environment that's inviting to people who previously wrote the church off. They're trying to create a space, they say, where people can come to Jesus. And there are people making following Jesus look cool, several people said in the article I read. If we can make following Jesus look cool, we can reach the world. In this same article, Justin Bieber was pointed out as a prime example of that. Kanye West, the article said, they're both professing Christians. And they are. They both claim to be saved. They've accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. Praise God. But they say, we're going to dress exactly like them so that we can build off their momentum. I'm quoting from the reasons coming from churches so we can build off their momentum and build the kingdom of God. Well, now that's somebody that doesn't listen to this program regularly to say, who is this guy, this Randall guy? He's a nut. Do we really want to build off the momentum of a personality other than the person of Jesus Christ? Do we really want that to be our focus? The other day I spoke, talked to you a little bit about Seattle Pacific University, the faculty there. I want to pick that up again because it's a continuing, a evolving, as they say, story. Seattle Pacific University faculty have revolted. I told you that on this program. <clears throat> now we have learned that the vote has been taken by the faculty. Seattle Pacific University, I went in great detail. I talked about it the other day. And I wrote an article about it as well. And I've written another article today because there's more there. And this is about more than Seattle Pacific University, although many, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> many people here in the Northwest where we originate um, have ties to Seattle Pacific University, have family members or they themselves have graduated from there. It's been around 130 years. As I mentioned the other day, I have a connection there. Our, one of our daughters graduated from SPU. I was on staff there at one time as special assistant to the president many years ago. So we have, we have um, relationships there, although they're not current. So we've watched that. But 
it's a school that was founded out of deeply committed people. They put their money, their sweat, their hard work into building a school in Seattle 130 years ago. And it has continued to be a good school and a light in the darkness, as Christian colleges, all of them should be. But now now there's a shift. There's an undertow. And that's why this is important. Even if you've never heard of Seattle Pacific University, and, and most in the Northwest have, but even if you've never heard of it, there's a message here that we need to be aware of. We need to be keyed in on because this is what's happening in our culture and it's related to what I was just talking about and this guy who's selling his book starting today about what pastors wear it's such a distraction but it's more important than what Christianity is really all about in today's culture, pop culture as it is so now we find I left off on this story when we talked about it the other day that the faculty was talking about having a vote over the weekend, and they did. 72% of the faculty at Seattle Pacific University have now voted that they have no confidence in the Christian University's Board of Trustees. 72% of the faculty. At the heart of it is a homosexual professor who wanted to be get a full-time job. They denied him that but because he was an instructor. He was part-time. And now he's gone on to Tacoma. I think it's a community college in Tacoma. And he's filed a lawsuit against Seattle Pacific University. So that's what's at the heart of this. But it's revealing a lot of things about the Christian community in general and this particular Christian institution in particular. At the same time, the United Methodist Church, they were planning to split. They're the third largest Protestant denomination in America, and they're all over the world, Wesleyan, Methodism. They were going to split last summer, but the pandemic kind of shut things down, and they didn't get a chance to meet in person and split the denomination. The issue? Homosexuality. Now, the United Methodist Church is not to be confused with the Free Methodists who founded Seattle Pacific University. There are two different organizations. There's a history there, but I don't have time to go into it. But just know that, that they're, not, they're not the same. The great Presbyterian pastor and evangelist Charles Finney, he told the clergy of his time, his peers, he said, if immorality prevails in the land, the fault is ours in a great degree. If the church is degenerate and worldly, the pulpit is responsible. I want to talk about the institutions that are educating our Christian children. And I want to talk about the pulpits that are called of God to be presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ. Continuing Charles Finney said, he wrote, let us not ignore this fact. He said, it all comes down to the pulpit. It all comes down to what we're preaching. It all comes down to what we're telling the public. Of the 213 faculty who voted at SPU, 153 faculty voted no confidence in the Board of Trustees. 47 of them supported the board. 13 abstained. 
This Kevin Newhauser, he's a professor of sociology at SPU and a faculty advisor for Haven. That's the student club for LGBTQ students on campus. He says right now the board is the last remaining group that has not yet come to recognize that LGBTQ individuals can be faithful Christians and as faculty and staff they would play opposite roles on our campus if we could hire them or play positive roles on our campus if we could hire them. He says the school is, quote, engaged in a larger discussion of trying to discern what it means to follow Jesus. What this man is saying, he's teaching in a Christian university, and he's saying, we're trying to figure out and discern what it means to follow Jesus. I can tell you, sir, in one line, give up your life, follow Christ, accept him as your Savior, and follow his teaching. Good grief. I don't know. He says, is being faithful to include or to exclude? There's a simple answer for that. I'm not a professor. I've never been one. But there's a simple answer for that. It's clear. Is it being faithful to include or exclude? Jesus, the word who became flesh, did not die on a cross to affirm homosexuality or any other sin. The Old, the New Testament, condemns sin homosexuality in particular, but included. Jesus Christ did not die to affirm any sin. It's inclusive, though. You are excluded by sin from God. That's why Christ died on the cross. Inclusive? Absolutely. Jesus died because of our sins, not to affirm them, not not to affirm them, but to forgive them and to deliver us and restore us from those sins. Why does a professor who's teaching kids with Christian money coming into that school all the time, why does a professor, why is he trying to figure out what it means to follow Jesus? He needs to figure it out or get out. If inspired, inerrant, and infallible, the word of God, then all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. They will be excluded from the kingdom of God. But we live in an inclusive environment. The world wants to be inclusive, inclusive, inclusive. You're a bad person if you don't include. So God is a bad person if he doesn't include everyone. That's the message of universalism. And that message has been around a long time, but it's being becoming very dominant today in the Christian church, unfortunately. Because nobody wants to make any waves. Nobody wants to say that people who reject God and refuse to accept him through his son, Jesus Christ, who is the only way to God, will spend eternity in hell. Those are not my words. Those are God's words. And they're not going to pass away. You are. I am. We are. God isn't. He's here for good. He was here before time. He'll be here after time. He was here before creation. He created. He'll be here after creation. What's the matter with these people? The basic biblical theology. The real question, is he and other homosexual advocates are not even asking, do we really believe the Bible? And if not, what are we doing here? Universalism, which I suspect some of these people believe, I'm pretty sure that some of these professors do, because it fits their lifestyle, their chosen lifestyle. I don't know if this Newhouser is gay or not, but 
I, I don't know, he, he heads up Haven, which is the LGBTQ club on, on campus. They should never have a club like that on campus. But universalism is probably embraced by some of these, at least. But it goes under different names, universal restoration, universal restitution, universal salvation. It claims that a good and living God would not condemn people to an eternal torment in hell. That's a near quote. It's almost an exact quote from Satan in his conversation with Eve in the Garden of Eden at the beginning of all of this, when mankind fell because they disobeyed God. We're doing it again. And we do it over and over and over. And now we're doing it within churches and within institutions of higher learning, Christian ones. This doctrine has led Oprah and Barack Obama and others to deny that Jesus is the only way to God. Remember when that was a big deal a few years ago? I talked about it on this radio program. People were asking, do you believe Barack Obama when he was president? Do you believe that Jesus is the only way to God? And he would say, well, well, there are many ways to God, other religions believe. Well, of course, he was covering for the Muslims. They don't believe that for a moment. And they'll get mad at you if you preach that gospel. And the culture will condemn you in many cases if you preach that gospel. There is only one way to God, and that's through Jesus Christ. Who said that? Jesus said that. Not me. Jesus. That's not my idea. That's Jesus. He said, there is no other way except through me. And yet to deny that and yet identify as a Christian is kind of a hallmark of this generation. Universalism, it applies scriptures like Acts chapter 3, verse 21, and Colossians 1.20. I don't have time, certainly, to go into all that. But they have their verses. They pick out of the Bible. They say, see, look, ultimately, everybody's going to be saved. There's no consequences to sin. So they're saying the Bible is terribly, terribly wrong. This runs, this whole thing runs counter the gospel of Jesus Christ, to today's cultural narrative. Jesus himself taught that whoever rejects him as Savior will spend eternity in hell. I mean, I hate to say that, but it's true. And he said it again and again and again in Matthew 10 and Matthew 23 and Matthew 25 and Luke chapter 16, John chapter 3. Universalism focuses exclusively on God's love and mercy and it ignores his holiness and his justice and his wrath. It also assumes that God's love depends on what he does for humanity rather than being a self-existing attribute of God present from eternity before man was created. Rob Bell has capitalized on that. He wrote a book. He wrote a book called Love Wins, and it's all about universal salvation, that in the end, it doesn't matter. God loves everybody, and everybody will be reconciled to God, whether they accept Jesus Christ or not. Seattle Pacific University stands at a very important crossroads. President Daniel Martin, he's now resigned. He's leaving academia. He says he's going into healthcare administration. Pray for the board of trustees. I am out of time on this today on this program, but I'm not out of words. I'm going to talk a little bit more about this tomorrow and other relative, uh, relative subjects that have happened between now and tomorrow morning. So be sure to be with me. But I want to talk to you a little bit about the Methodist Church as well, the United Methodist Church. 
and what they're doing and what they're going through over some of these same issues. So be sure to be with me tomorrow. We'll talk about that. And thank you for your support. Your support allows us to be here every morning originating live. I'll see you tomorrow.